what is a naturalist? A naturalist is someone who looks at a tree and thinks of soil. A naturalist is someone who gazes at a mountain and sees a growing delta. A naturalist is someone who peers into a deep, clear spring and imagines cold, dark caverns. A naturalist is someone who gauges the seasons by the fading of the flowers and the arrival of geese. A naturalist absorbs, experiences, shares, perceives, dreams, and imagines along every step of the trail. A naturalist knows and doesn't know, sees and doesn't see, but always with a sense of wonder. Ready for the end of the world? Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again the circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen to your community spirit every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30. And in case you haven't figured it out, you are listening to your community spirit. Yes, this is your community spirit. But it seems like there is no spirit in this town. Everybody, well, there probably is a lot of spirit, but everybody's so relaxed. Hmm. This town was so hoppinin', hoppinin'. Hoppinin'. <laughs> yeah. It's like I was walking down the strip last night, and there was just this couple from New Orleans just jamming on the sidewalk. <laughs> it's like pretty That's interesting. Pretty cool. Yeah. Came all the way from New Orleans to play for us. There you go. And <laughs> there's a very large contingent of, um, what do you call it? It's like Christian Bible camp. Oh, yeah. The yeah, I forget what that's called. It comes every year. Yeah, there's so there's tons of and there there was a guy and his chaperoning his. I think they're mostly high school kids. I think so. And um, he had them. Um, I just forgot the name of the song again. What? It's I saw the light. Oh yeah, I saw the light. Yeah, I we can sing it, but light. what's the name of the song? He requested that song. Yeah. And they, they did a pretty decent job. It's a very hard song to sing. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got a recording That's of... That's not it. It's not I Saw the Light. It's not I Saw the Light. It's like... Um, oh, man. Well, I'll probably remember it right at the end of the show. <laughs> well, I've got a recording of the, uh, the band Bad Religion doing uh, a live performance of I Saw the Light. <laughs> Just kind of ironic, but very amusing. <laughs> so... We don't have very many happenings no. because it is nice and laid-back time of the year. Yes. So. People are relaxing. They know that big fall semester rush is coming up soon, so they say, well, let's, let's just rest for a couple weeks. But uh, we do have one happening, at least, and that is one I just received recently over email. It's the Hummingbird Festival, 
at the Trail of Tears State Forest. This is coming up on August 4th and 5th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can watch a licensed professional bird bander capture, band, and release Illinois' tiniest bird. It's, it's one of the tiniest birds of all, isn't it? I would hope they're professional. Those birds are so yeah, small. They're so teeny. If you if you don't do it correctly, you'd probably smush them. <laughs> smush them. You can also adopt a hummingbird, and you may even get to hold the bird you've adopted, depending on how, you know, how shy the bird is. <laughs> you can become a habitat hero. You can learn about the incredible diversity of hummingbirds. You can observe hundreds of hummingbirds feeding. There's seminars on gardening for hummingbirds, photographing hummingbirds, and hummingbird research. So basically it's... Do you, I have a question. Do you have <laughs> to be a hummingbird to take the gardening for hummingbirds class? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I just have a picture now <laughs> of little hummingbirds with like teeny little rakes and garden hose. <laughs> well, there'll be children's activities and games. The Trail of Tears State Forest is located northwest of Jonesboro on State Forest Road. And this is a free, family-friendly event sponsored by the Illinois Audubon Society and local chapter, which is the Shawnee Audubon Society. For a complete schedule, you can visit www.shawneeaudubon.org. And for more information, you can call Karen at 618-457-6367. That event is for the birds. (laughs) <laughs> and the bird lovers. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I was letting you pause uh, there for a second. Yeah, dramatic pause. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, otherwise, the only other happening that I'm aware of is um, tonight is DBX Midsummer Night Bash. Tonight, tonight, tonight. So... I hope to see people out and about because it is the time to be out and about. Yes. Oot and a boot. <laughs> I was trying to do that, but <laughs> I wasn't as good as you are. <laughs> so, let us get to some news because this has actually been a really strange, unusual week of news. Yes. Well, the strangest news for me is that uh, last weekend my brother got uh, made. <laughs> So I got to go participate in that. Yeehaw, he got himself hitched. Oh, yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. He seems very happy. And uh, it was it was fun participating. I'm going to, soon I will have pictures of myself in a tuxedo to share with everyone. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. do we get to um, do a little blackmail? But if you're going to show it to everybody, <laughs> you know, we can't yeah. really. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's my big news slash happening for the Wow, that, that is pretty big. Yeah, I was the best man, too, so I got to give a toast to him. Did you expect otherwise? Uh, no. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> like you, had, you got to stand up and do the toast. Yeah, I got to stand up in front of, I don't know, 50 people and you know say, uh, he's been like a brother to me, <laughs> which I did actually say. I always wondered, you know, because the people who do that always have, like, really good toasts. Uh-huh. And funny, interesting, but I don't know if I could do that or not. But yeah. th- did you have to sit down and write some stuff ahead of time? Uh, no, I decided not to. I just had a few ideas in mind. And then I would planned to be, you know, sort of half and half humor and seriousness. But after that first joke, I just got sort of, you know, sentimental and in the moment and talked about what a good brother he was. <laughs> and people said I gave a good toast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeehaw. All right. Um, 
probably the most interesting thing I've heard of all week is apparently the house market is falling in. Mm-hmm. So people uh, houses are getting to be real cheap, and apparently in some cities like Detroit, whole blocks are foreclosing because people can't afford to buy the houses anymore. Yeah, and you know they're kicking everybody out, so there's whole blocks that are empty. I'm just thinking this is a chance for a good green community yeah. to go in, to just a group of people get together, buy a block. And have a green or have an actual community. I don't know what a name for that is. Yeah. Community. Yes. <laughs> the intentional communities movement can hopefully flourish. Yeah. Hmm. I was just this is this is a chance. Um, last week I did an um, a news article about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. His nonprofit went in and bought or not bought. They're going in and building a whole town that got hit by um, tornado in uh-huh. Kansas. It completely got wiped out. And so this is their chance to go in and build it. And, of course, it'll be a reality TV show. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the best part of the name of the town is it's Greenville. Greenville. <laughs> I think that's right. It had green in the name. Yeah. So it already had green in the name. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty interesting. So let us get to the news of the week. Now that's density. British government plans new echo towns. Floodplain development. This is along the theme of what I was just talking about. Yes. The British government announced plans this week to build 2 million new homes by 2016, including five carbon-neutral echo towns of at least 5,000 homes each. How can you buy, uh, build 5,000 homes and make them carbon-neutral? Huh. Uh, that's a good question. I'd well, like to see their their plans. <laughs> I mean, if you built the homes as environmentally sustainable as possible, and then y- you factored in how much pollution you actually produced in the building process, and then go went and built like a wind farm or a solar farm to offset that pollution, yeah, the building process would be carbon neutral. Yeah, or you could even like incorporate that into the town in some way, at least well, to a degree. They do have um, zero energy homes now, where, I mean, you actually build a home that over the course of the year uses zero energy. It mm. actually produces the majority of its energy on site. Um, of course, it uses a lot less energy, but only because they put in energy efficiency. Yeah. Equipment that uses less energy. Wow. Mm-hmm. So. Back to the British government. Each green town will have public transportation to existing cities, favor green space and walkability, include 30 to 50% affordable housing, and showcase a project such as communal heating or a carpool scheme. An additional million homes are likely to be built in Britain between 2016 and 2020, and the government is requiring that all homes built after 2016 be carbon neutral. Wow. They require it after 2016. Yeah. I wonder what they'll do if someone is not carbon neutral. Will they burn them at the stake? <laughs> no, maybe they'll make them They'll uh, make them go to jail and plant trees until they've made up the difference. <laughs> there you go. Much better than burning at the stake. Said Housing Minister Yovette Cooper, quote, No one should be in any doubt about the historic scale of this vision. 
But critics can't shake one niggling little doubt. The government, citing heavy demand, is deflecting concerns about the plans to develop on FUD planes, despite the country's reach, recent drenching, said one opponent. Quote, they aren't planning the echo towns of the 21st century. They are planning the sink estates of tomorrow. <laughs> I guess they're going to build them on floodplains. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't have much space. No, they 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 pretty much ran out of space. So uh, I know hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Now, I mean, <laughs> Britain is what the size of the state of Washington? Is it actually that big? Uh, it's I don't know somewhere around there. Yeah. So straight to the source, the Times. The International Herald Tribune and The Telegraph, the 23rd and 24th of July. So, in other news, driver education. Ground-level ozone could be an important factor in climate change. If you spent time proudly mastering the difference between ground-level ozone and climate change, prepare to be flummoxed. The two issues appear to be linked. Flummoxed, I say. <laughs> yes, flummoxed. That should be our word of the day. <laughs> What does it mean? It means to be flummoxed. I'm flummoxed about the word flummoxed. Yes. <laughs> According to a study in Nature, ground-level ozone damages plants, affecting their ability to absorb carbon dioxide, which allows more CO2 to wander into the atmosphere and doom the planet. Quote, ozone could be twice as important as we previously thought as a driver of climate change. Twice as important. Yes. <laughs> so it's important stuff says co-author Peter Cox of England's University of Exeter. Plants and soil store about a quarter of human carbon dioxide emissions, but the researchers say that increases in ground-level ozone, which has doubled since the mid-19th century, quote, could lead to significant reductions in regional plant production and crop yields. While the science types had already pegged ozone higher in the atmosphere as a heat-trapping gas, most studies of lower-level ozone had focused on human health effects. Now, they say, climate models have a whole new factor to consider. Oh, that's great. Straight to the source, Los Angeles Times, Reuters, BBC News, 25th of July, 2007. All right. Money isn't everything. Man passes up $5 billion to go fishing. Yeah, I thought this was amazing when I read it. If someone offered you $5 billion, now that's in Australian dollars, which is still pretty close to American dollars. Yeah. If someone offered you $5 billion for a bunch of rocks in the ground, do you reckon you'd say something like, Nay, mate, thanks, but no thanks. That was pretty close, eh? <laughs> which is pretty much what Jeffrey Lee said to a French energy company when they wanted to extract 14,000 tons of uranium from his ancestral land, Kungari, adjacent to the Kakadu National Park in Australia's Northern Territory. Australia is the world's leading exporter of uranium, but that didn't phase Jeffrey, who's the sole remaining Dukuk clan member and the senior custodian of the Kugarian uranium deposit. Quote, I'm not interested in money. I've got a job. I can buy myself some tucka. I can go fishing and hunting. That's all that matters to me. A park ranger in nearby Kakadu plans to see the site added to the park, which is also listed as a World Heritage Site under UNESCO, that's the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. 
quote, being part of the park will ensure that the traditional laws, customs, sites, bush tucker, trees, plants, and water stay the same as when they were passed on to me by my father and great-grandfather, he said. This was from the Sydney Morning Herald. Money isn't everything. Huh. Money is not everything. It's like... Alright, and in other news, I'd like to read this one. I took me a second to be sure of what the website was, but it's pretty simple. Walkscore.com And today's tip, walking matters. I do a lot of walking, so I, I was eager to read this story. <laughs> Quote, A walkable community promotes better health, reduction in greenhouse gases, more transportation options, increased social capital, and stronger local businesses. So, how walkable is it where you live? You can find out at WalkScore, walkscore.com. You type in your address, and it puts it on a Google map and gives it a score. 70 to 90 is very walkable. 90 to 100 is a walker's paradise. And you can use this fabulous tool before your next move or your next trip out of town. <laughs> Actually, I noticed in Bloomington, Illinois, that it's it's not walkable. <laughs> I mean, technically, you can walk from one place to another that's no. close to each other. Yeah. But it, it's like a, it's spread out. It's like a. Now you're talking about Bloomington or Normal, because. Oh, I I saw a little bit of both, and neither one seemed particularly. Yeah. I mean. Normal. I would say Bloomington is more walkable, at least yeah. the areas I've gone to. Yeah. But. Because Bloomington actually has like a. I don't know what to call it, a town to it. <laughs> a town to it. <laughs> normal is Ooh, just... Ooh, <laughs> you're going to get some trouble now. I'm going to get trouble from you're my... You're saying uh, that normal is not, well, normal? Not normal. <laughs> yeah. A lot of... I don't know if you'd call it sprawl, I guess, but not very walkable. Yeah. I should enter them and see if they get as... I wonder know, what five. our score is for Carbondale. Yeah, I don't know. It's we like, may get back to you on that. Yeah, so, again, that's walkscore.com, correct? Yes, walkscore.com. And you can... Um, Carbondale is decently walkable, especially yeah. the downtown. Yeah, the downtown so, especially. I mean, there isn't... I mean, most of the sprawl is on the edge of towns, and sometimes you don't really need most of that stuff. Most of that time, you don't need most of that stuff on the edge of town. You can eat, drink, and be... I was going to say Mary, but Mary's not as kick-ass as I thought she was. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, 24 hours of darkness and two of light California utility commits to massive solar buy BC deals with an oil spill call it the light and dark sides of the energy industry let's see this week as news spread that a major California utility will make a ginormous ginormous I say solar buy a British Columbia neighborhood was drenched in crude oil spewing from a broken pipe. Related? Only in the sense that all of our global energy inner interests are tied. But a holy visual metaphor, Batman, while officials in Bourbon, B.C. struggled to clean up the mess, which led to the evacuation of 20 homes, the voluntary evacuation of 80 more, and residents complaining of headaches and nausea, British gas and electric executives polished their own image with the pledge to buy 550 megawatts of solar power generated by the world's largest thermal solar array. 
The planned Mojave Desert facility, which will use mirrors to focus the sun's energy on pipes containing fluid that will then produce steam that powers turbines. Woo! Whew. That's that sounds hot. <sighs> will actually start producing energy by 2011 or 2012, and is says PG&E VP for Energy Procurement Feng Guang quote one of the most promising technologies for us. Straight to the source, the New York Times, the 25th of July, 2007. Yes, and a note on our story we read earlier, I just entered uh, DBX's address for uh, the walkability score. We got a 75 out of 100. 75 out of 100. (laughs) Pretty walkable. It's got a little map of, like, little places you can go to, like the Long Branch and, like, you know, on the strip, all the Oh, you can enter exact addresses. Yeah, you do exact addresses, and then it counts, like... Well, can I walk to, like, you know, a food place from here? Oh, so, I mean, like, literally, before you're planning to buy a house, you can see how walkable it is from that point. Yeah. Oh. It's very cool. It's it's graphic, too. It's visual. I thought it was just, like, the whole town. Yeah. But it's it can be very specific. Oh, yeah, okay. it's very specific. Walkscore.com. Yes. That's pretty exciting. I'm going to play with that a little later. <laughs> but in the meantime, we have more news for you. And, yes, it's more... More climate change news. Just call us the Rainmakers. Study confirms connection between human activity and increased rainfall. Now, this study was not read by the head of NASA. Did you hear what the head of NASA recently said? Oh, no, I didn't. He said that there is no link between human activity and climate change. Well, no. He said there is no climate change. (laughs) It's like, anyway, in a lot of words... It's amazing how people can use a lot of words to say very little. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sometimes they can. That's the head of NASA. <laughs> anyway, I think he was compa- I think he was actually reading the report on Mars. Yeah, he may have been. The, the oxygen's a little low there, you know. So in any case, a study led by Canadian scientists shows that peeps have an effect on precip. That people have an effect on precipitation. That's, that should be a new song. Yeah. yeah, peeps have... I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, quote, For the first time, climate scientists have clearly detected the human fingerprint on changing global precipitation patterns over the past century. Comparing rainfall records from 1925 to 1999 against nearly 100 scenarios generated by 14 computer models, the team found that 50 to 80% of rainfall increase at latitudes north of 40 degrees including Russia, Canada, and Northern Europe, was connected to human activity. The study, which is set to appear in Nature this week, also pinned increased rain in the 30 degrees of latitude south of the equator on fossil fuel use in the Northern Hemisphere. Latitudes up to 30 degrees north of the equator are getting drier. Quote, Temperature changes we can cope with, said Francis Swires of Environment Canada. Quote, but water changes are much more difficult. That will have economic impacts and impacts on food production and could ultimately displace populations. Straight to the source, the Vancouver Sun, the Globe and Mail, BBC News, 23rd of July, 2007. Yes, when water supplies are disrupted, you get thirsty pretty quickly. (laughs) So, I'm going to read a sad one and then you get to read a happy one. Okay. Is there a happy one on that list? I'll look for it while you're in the sad <laughs> one. <laughs> madness, so. madness takes its toll. 
Siberia attack leaves one anti-nuclear protester dead, others injured. A pre-dawn attack on an anti-nuclear protest camp in Siberia this weekend left one person dead and several others seriously injured. 20 suspects have been detained for the crime in which attackers wearing dark clothes and masks brandished metal pipes, chanted nationalist slogans, attempted to set tents on fire and beat the living daylights out of as many of the 21 encamped environmentalists, most of whom were sleeping as they could get their hands on. Authorities say they they don't believe the protest itself, which is focused on a nuclear waste processing at the state-owned Argusink electrolysis chemical plant and inspired by concerns that Russia plans to process spent nuclear fuel from abroad was the motive for the hate fest. Instead, they say, it may have been as simple as an argument or theft. Quote, Investigators are inclined to believe that the attack was motivated by hooliganism <laughs> with an aim of stealing property, said a local police spokesperson. Oh, those wacky hoodlums. What'll they do next? Straight to the source, The Guardian, Associated Press, Forbes, the 23rd of July, 2007. All right, and for one last story, uh, I like magic, so I'm going to read one that's related to magic. At least magic of the fictional variety. (laughs) Welcome back, Potter. That's not welcome back, Cotter. That's welcome back, Potter. The final Harry Potter tome is, quote, the greenest book in publishing history. Feel the crackle in the air? That's... (laughs) Mine was better. (laughs) <laughs> you weren't prepared no I wasn't <laughs> zap zap <laughs> zap zap that's millions of Harry Potter fans trying not to fidget as they wait for the book's midnight release or trying not to freeze in, in the case of an Australian fan who was rescued after diving into a frigid lake to retrieve his pre-purchased receipt <laughs> now that's dedication I, I wonder if he tried to do some sort of magic to protect himself from the cold <laughs> I really don't know. Well, the final installment of the Mugglicious series is said to be the greenest book in publishing history. A good thing, since it set sales uh, records at retailers like Amazon.com and Barnes & Nobles. Sixteen publishers around the world used eco-friendly paper for this edition, including U.S. publishers Scholastic, who went the conventional route with the last Harry Potter book and faced a boycott as a result. They, yeah, they boycotted people wouldn't buy it from Scholastic. They ordered it from Britain. Yeah, they got it from them instead. Yeah, Because, so. <laughs> well, people like ecological books. <laughs> In all, says Markets Initiative, a Vancouver-based group that helps publishers go green, the switch for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows has saved nearly 200,000 trees and avoided almost 8,700 tons of carbon dioxide emissions, which totally makes up for the fact that Harry dies in the end. Oops, did we say that out loud? <laughs> Straight to the source, Brisbane Times, Australian Associated Press, uh, 20th of July, 2007. <laughs> and I did read it. Oh, did you read it? I've read it already, yeah. I haven't I, read it yet. Well, I'll loan it to you. I was I was online, like, I think the night before it came out, and uh, somebody, I was in a chat room completely unrelated to anything Harry Potter, and someone burst in and posted, like, like a really long sentence that just spoiled, you know, the entire ending for everybody. <laughs> there is no spoiler. What are you talking about? He just dies. <laughs> I'm just, I, maybe. We will never tell. 
You'll have to read it to find out. Yeah, basically, I went to bed at about 8.30, and I had bought it that day, and I just had come across it. It was Monday. Yeah. And I had just come across it when I was buying something else, and I was like, okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> and I, I kept putting it back on the thing as I, back on the, I, I like took it off the shelf like three times before yeah. I finally bought it. <laughs> and I went to bed at 8.30, and I was like, I'll read a little bit. I finished at 4 o'clock the next morning. It's like all night I read it. Yeah. I'm just like, it was just... They're pretty engrossing. Uh, so. Maybe Harry Potter can say, Expecto Patronus and scare away like the, all the people who are publishing all of the bad books that tear up the trees. Yeah, so. <laughs> very good environmentally friendly book. So again, I want to remind everybody that if you want your happenings to be on your community spirit... Because we happen to be the happening guys, and we want to know if there's something happening. And it's not going to happen unless we tell people that it happens. Yes. Does that make sense? Not really. Somewhat. But <laughs> if you want your happenings to be on your community spirit, please email them to info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Or, or also to treesong at treesong.org. We will see you again next week. Melting polar ice was a dirty look. Shrinking glaciers, a nudge. Dying forests, they were a tap on the shoulder. We got a finger in our chest from the rising sea level. And a sharp poke in the ribs from recent wildfires in Alaska. Then dying coral reefs and eroding coastlines pushed us. Hard. The drowned polar bears, that was a shove. Melting permafrost... That was a slap. Rising ocean temperatures and extreme weather. An uppercut. Then record-breaking heat waves hit us right where it hurts. Has it occurred to anyone that maybe the Earth is trying to get our attention? We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution before it's too late. To find out how, go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council.